My name is Justin Craig. I'm the executive minister here at Windsor Road and uh, just want to welcome you uh, again to our, our campus. If you're joining us online, grateful to have you be a part of our worship experience this morning as well. Uh, today we are wrapping up our three-week series called For the Sake of Others. If you've missed us, that's all right. Let me give you a little recap. Two weeks ago, we started our sermon series talking about looking at life and looking at others through the lens of compassion. We looked at the story in Luke chapter 7 where Jesus encounters a, a widow who is bringing her son out to bury him. Jesus sees her. He has compassion on her, heals her son, and heals her brokenness, looking at life through the lens of compassion. Last week we were in Mark chapter 14, a very familiar story to us at this time of year. We were in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. We spent a lot of our time focusing on verse 36 where Jesus prays, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Will. And we talked about how Jesus is practicing and being a giver of the gift of self-forgetfulness. And so this week we are going to be camped out in Luke chapter 19. Another story of Christ. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be. Let me tell you uh, a little bit about the stories leading up to our passage here. Luke chapter 18 is full, uh, so I'm going to try and do this justice in like two minutes, okay? So Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9, Jesus tells a parable of a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee is interested in his stats of surrender, and the tax collector is simply praying a prayer of, God, have mercy on me. Jesus says to a very ruckus crowd, go and be like the tax collector. A little odd at that point. Then we get to Luke chapter 18, verse 18, where we have a story of the rich young ruler. You might remember this story. There's a rich young man who comes and says to Jesus, I have obeyed all of the commandments. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and come and follow me. And scripture tells us that the rich young ruler goes away sad. And then we have right before our passage, in Luke chapter 18, verse 35, Jesus is approaching the town of Jericho, where our story takes place today. He's approaching the town, and he comes upon a blind beggar, and because of this man's faith, he heals him just outside of the city. And then we pick up in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. This is what Luke writes in his gospel. He, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they, when the crowd saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. 
And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's word for us today. Today, I want to talk about unreserved love. I want to talk about unreserved love because love is not reserved for people who are easy to love. Loving others is not meant to be exclusive. Love does not require that our needs are being met. Love does not have minimum requirements. It is not limited. Love is not meant to get what we want but to give what others need. Love should be unreserved. Love should be unconditional. Love should be unhindered. But we make a mess of this, don't we? Because love is really easy to talk about and really difficult to act with. Now, the biblical word of love that we're talking about this morning is this, is this Greek word agapao. Really fun to say. You should try it when you're at home because, you know, you don't want to embarrass yourself in front of other people. But this word in the New Testament is always referencing God's love to his people or to his son. Or it is referencing a God-like love of his followers to others and even their enemies. In fact, the first reference to this Greek word in the New Testament is found in Matthew 5.43, where Jesus, giving the Sermon on the Mount, says, You have heard it said... You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. This moves way beyond, oh, that's interesting too. That's got to be intentional. The first time it's mentioned in the New Testament, Jesus says to love your enemies. This is biblical truth that loving others has no boundaries. This this word for love can also be translated not just in the word love, but can also be translated as the word value, faithful towards, to delight in, and my personal favorite, to show generous concern. So when we think about this Christ-like love, we should have the mindset of valuing others. of of being faithful towards others, to delight in others, to show generous concern towards others, because this is Jesus' approach of love to us. Jesus models this type of love everywhere he goes and with everyone he encounters, from his baptism to the cross. Jesus is displaying love for the sake of of others. And all throughout our scripture this morning, we see Jesus' love on full display for us here with this man Zacchaeus. Now what do we know about Zacchaeus? Well, we have a few things in scripture that we know about Zacchaeus. We also have a few historical documents that we use to gain understanding about Zacchaeus. One one thing we know, the first thing we know is that he is a chief tax collector, which means that in the highly trafficked trade route of Jericho, he would have been the highest ranking government official in the revenue department. It's kind of a big deal. Scripture also tells us that he was rich, which is no surprise because of his occupation. 
tells us that he is small in stature. But what scripture doesn't tell us is that being a chief tax collector in a Jewish community from a Roman official standpoint, by the way, he is a Jewish man who works for the Roman government taxing his fellow Jewish people, wouldn't have made him a whole lot of friends. He wouldn't have been invited to that dinner party. It would have been more of a social isolation situation for Zacchaeus. Large crowds would have made him nervous because he was constantly looked at as a traitor to his own people. And so Zacchaeus comes out of his house. He hears that Jesus is going to be passing through the town of Jericho. He comes out of his home. He sees a large crowd, sees that he cannot get into it, nor can he see over it. So he goes to climb a tree, a sycamore tree, big on the bottom, large branches, easy to climb, large leaves that would hide him from the crowd, but give him a good perspective of being able to just see Jesus. We know the story, right? Jesus walks up, he sees Zacchaeus in the tree. He speaks to him, he says, I must come over to your house today. Zacchaeus climbs down and receives him joyfully. The crowd does not receive that news joyfully, though. They all grumbled. Now, we've not grumbled, have we, in the last five minutes? Maybe you have. I've only been up here five minutes. Maybe you have. You're like, this guy again. Awesome. (laughs) This crowd starts grumbling. This guy is going to hang out with a sinner? And then... Because of this one encounter with Jesus. This one encounter with Jesus changes Zacchaeus' life. He not only changes his life, he starts to change his habits as well. Starts to give back what he has wrongfully taken from people. Jesus then declares that salvation has come to Zacchaeus' house. And then Jesus again restates his purpose to seek and to save the lost. Here's where we're going this morning. You ready? Here's our on-ramp. The love of Christ in us should be the same love of Christ through us. The love of Christ in us should be the love of Christ through us. The love of Christ that we have received should also be the same love of Christ that we display and act and live on every single day. This kind of love should be stored up in our hearts so that at a moment's notice it can be poured out through our lives. Well, what does Christ-like love look like? Well, we could go through Scripture, right? I mean, Christ-like love looks like feeding the 5,000 in Matthew chapter 14. It it looks like Jesus healing a leper in Mark chapter 2. It looks like the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. It looks like Jesus being the residence of rest in John chapter 16. What does the love of Christ look like? It looks like washing Judas' feet at the Last Supper. The love of Christ looks like praying a prayer of self-forgetfulness in the Garden of Gethsemane. Being put on trial, mocked and beaten. The love of Christ looks like carrying the cross and the weight of sin. It looks like being crucified for the ones who are doing the crucifying. It looks like an empty tomb that tells us that Jesus' love cannot be stopped, cannot be hindered, cannot be reserved, but is unconditional love for everyone in the world. Church family, our love should be the exact same way. Our scripture this morning challenges us 
compels us and calls us to live a life of love just as Christ does with Zacchaeus. First of all, love challenges us to get personal. Love challenges us to get personal. Let's go back to the first five verses. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus stopped. He looked up to see. He spoke to him. Jesus stopped what he was doing and where he was going to spend time with someone that no one wanted to spend time with. Jesus moves way past, he moves way beyond conversation. He actually moves in, and it's like, what are you doing? It's like, yeah, please, come on over to the house. Let me dust off my sandals real quick. I, let me throw, you know, the tunics in the wash right, right quick. That would be great. Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house to spend quality time with him. Why? Because love challenges us to get personal. Zacchaeus was interested in seeing Jesus, but Jesus was interested in knowing Zacchaeus. So Jesus stops his journey to join Zacchaeus on his. Jesus makes the initial contact. Jesus takes the initiative and boldly invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Jesus stepped into Zacchaeus' world to get to see his perspective, to get to know his story. Now, Now, we don't know why Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus that day. We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. Maybe he had heard about the blind beggar being healed right outside the city. He's going, I got to see this guy. Maybe he had heard about Jesus teaching on this parable of don't be like the Pharisee, be like the tax collector. And Zacchaeus is like, amen. Maybe, Maybe Zacchaeus heard that Jesus had called Matthew, a fellow tax collector, to be one of his disciples. Whatever the reason, Zacchaeus' interaction, conversation, and new friendship starts because Jesus wanted to know Zacchaeus. He wanted to know his life story. He wanted to see his life change, so he pursues this friendship with Zacchaeus. Church, it's hard to love others well when we can't see their perspective. It's it's hard to love others well when we don't see their perspective. It's impossible to love others well when we don't want to see their perspective. It's hard to love others well when conversation doesn't happen. It's, It's hard to love others well when listening is absent. It's hard to love others well when we want to fix them rather than fellowship with them. It's hard to love others well when our focus is not on them but on us. You see, for love to get personal, we must become sacrificial. For for love to get personal, we must become sacrificial because that is Christ-like love. When when love challenges us to get personal with others, it means that we must become sacrificial. We, We must be willing to give up our time and our energy and our agendas 
and a whole lot of intentionality to get to know someone else's journey and to, in order to walk alongside them. So the question becomes here, do our lives have the margin to ask the question, how are you doing, and intentionally wanting to know the answer? Love challenges us to step off our planned journey, to stop, to look, to listen, to speak, to care for others in tangible ways. Love challenges us to get personal. Second, love compels us to do the unexpected. Love compels us to do the unexpected. Back to Scripture, verses 6 and 7. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus hears Jesus' words, hurries down the tree, receives him joyfully, but the crowd, oh, the crowd is ready to erupt. Because they do not understand why Jesus has chosen this traitor, this dishonest guy, this, this person who has cheated everybody in town. Why is Jesus going to spend time with this guy, a known sinner? Jesus, you want to know about his sins? We all know them. Let's circle up. We'll have, a, we'll have a sin party with him. Share all of his dirty laundry. The crowd is complaining because Jesus is not going to spend time with a noble person. He's not going to spend time with a person who has been living according to God's laws. He's not going to spend time with a person who is even honest or morally acceptable. I mean, he's a tax collector working for the Roman government. The crowd does not understand this display of love to someone who in their eyes does not deserve it. <laughs> but here's the funny thing, church. If Jesus only spent time with people who deserve to be with him, he would have been the loneliest person in the world. Jesus does not love based on who deserves his love, but on who needs his love. And headline, we all need his love. This crowd has no idea how Jesus' conversation with Zacchaeus is going to impact their lives. Jesus is going to spend time with someone who desperately needs him. Jesus does not let the crowd's anger overrule God's plan. And church family, we cannot let our culture's opinions lead us away from God's plan or purpose. We cannot let the shouting of our culture sway us away from the whisper of God's still small voice. We cannot let outside voices become inside vices. We cannot let the divide of our culture prevent us from loving others well. You see, here Jesus does not do what everyone thinks he should do. He does what God directs him to do. As we think about Zacchaeus, think with me Luke chapter 15. If we were to go back a few pages, think with me Luke chapter 15. There's three parables that Jesus uses here to teach the crowd that he's speaking with. One of those parables to start off Luke 15 is the parable of the lost sheep. You remember this story? If you don't, that's okay. Here's, here's the, uh, the highlights. There's a shepherd who has 100 sheep. He's counting them because they're valuable to him. And he sees that one is missing. Still got 99. That's an A. That's pretty good. 
Still got 99, but that one is really important. So, so the shepherd decides that he's going to go off, find that one sheep. When he has found that sheep, he puts it on his shoulders, comes back, has a big celebration with his neighbors because he has found the sheep that was lost. Church family, Zacchaeus is lost. Zacchaeus is lost and is living a lost life. And so Jesus does what is unexpected. It was really unexpected for the shepherd to leave 99 sheep in the open field and go and find the one. Jesus is doing the exact same thing here. Because Jesus does not ride off the lost, he sets off to find the lost. And the crowd's vantage point here in Jericho is just like another parable in Luke chapter 15. But it's a few parables later. It's the parable of the prodigal son. Do you remember this one? There's a man who has two sons. The younger son approaches the father and says to him, Dad, I would like my share of the inheritance, which generally comes when the father dies. So he's essentially telling his father, I wish you were not living anymore. Give me my share of the inheritance. The younger son gets his share of the inheritance. He goes off to a faraway land, squanders all the wealth, finds himself homeless wanting to eat the food that he's feeding to animals. And he has this realization, I think my father's servants have it better than I do. Maybe I'll go back and beg him to be one of his servants. So the son comes back to the family homestead. The father sees him in in the distance and runs towards him, embraces him, clothes him, and starts to throw a giant party for everyone around. But guess who's out in the field? The older brother. The older brother comes in, and he goes, what is going on? And a servant of the house tells him, well, your brother has returned, and your father's throwing a party, and the older brother was going, what about me? I've been here the whole time. I've been faithful. I've been doing this right. (laughs) What about me? The crowd here in Jericho is acting the same way as the older son. They are grumbling because Jesus is not acting the way they think he should act. He's not spending time with who they think he should spend time with. He's not loving the way they think he should be loving, but Jesus here is showing unreserved love just like the father to his son. Because love compels us to do the unexpected. You see, church, if we are going to love unexpectedly, We must do so with a fierce focus on God, with a clarity on his mission, and a daily surrender to his will. We must have a fierce focus on God, a a clarity of his mission for us, and a daily surrender to his will. Otherwise, the grumbling might start to make sense. So the question here becomes, are we willing to stop grumbling and start loving? You see, in our culture, grumbling is expected. Loving is unexpected. But through God's eyes, loving others is expected. Love compels us to follow God's leading and God's love so that we might love others the same way that Christ loves us. Third, love calls us to life change. Love calls us to 
life change. Verses 8 through 10. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost after one small act of love and friendship across the barriers of social isolation the floodgates of emotion in Zacchaeus's soul had been opened and his heart stirred to repentance he had made a full and bold confession of his sin to Jesus who had graciously invited himself over Zacchaeus speaks of righting the wrongs, correcting his mistakes, and Jesus' words of salvation speak of Zacchaeus' new heart and life turning towards Christ. All because Jesus stopped and looked and spoke and listened and cared for someone who was on the outside, cared for someone who had no one. He was a friend to the friendless. Jesus showed love to Zacchaeus in a way that we don't know he had ever experienced before. Now, you've probably noticed because you're bright people, the word love does not appear in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. The word agapao is not translated anywhere in here between verses 1 and 10. It does not appear, but the action of love appears repeatedly. The act of love Jesus shows towards Zacchaeus is giving Zacchaeus value. Jesus is showing Zacchaeus that he is valuable and worth the Savior's time. The act of love from Jesus is showing a generous concern for Zacchaeus. A concern that no one else around him would have had for him. The act of love from Jesus is showing faithfulness towards Zacchaeus. Jesus sees, knows, and hears the ugliest parts of his life and still loves him still pursues his friendship the act of love from Jesus is is Jesus showing delight in Zacchaeus delight that gets personal delight that does the unexpected and through all of this love on display here Zacchaeus's life is turned around did you notice that Jesus never tells Zacchaeus that he loves him he just shows it church family We need to stop only telling people that we love them, and we need to start showing them that we love them. Words tend to be forgotten, but actions tend to be remembered. We need to model what Jesus does here. We need to have eyes that see others. We need to have voices that speak to others. We need to have time built into our lives for others. We need to stop walking by and start sitting near. We need to be people who act with love, who speak with love, who listen with love, who give with love, who pray with love, who surrender with love, because this is what Jesus does for us. You see, if Jesus doesn't stop to talk to Zacchaeus, if all that happened was that Zacchaeus spotted him through the branches, boy, it might have made Zacchaeus' day, but it probably wouldn't have changed his life. 
This is the incredible power of what loving others can do. So how do we start to act more intentionally with love? How do we continue moving forward, displaying the love of Christ? How do we share unreserved love with others? How do we love others well? Well, loving others well starts with a transformed heart. You knew that's where we were starting, didn't you? I mean, you knew I wasn't going to give you 11 ways to make your neighbors more lovable. Like, come on, that list doesn't exist. If it does, you should throw it away. Loving others well starts with a transformed heart. It starts with daily experiencing God's unreserved love for us. It starts with our daily time with God. You see, we cannot be light to a world when we've not spent time in the light. We cannot be grace to the world if we've not spent time experiencing God's grace. We cannot be love to the world if we've not dwelled on God's love for us. Love starts in our hearts. We've already said that we need to store it up so that we might be able to pour it back out. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul famously writes, Therefore, if anyone is where? In Christ. If anyone takes up residence in Christ, if anyone's heart is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Church family, I need to be being made new every single day. starts in our hearts as we are continually being made new you see we cannot pour out to others what we are not allowing to be poured into us second loving others well happens when we're sacrificial it happens when we are sacrificial when we are willing to give up our time and our energy, and our agenda, and our journey to step into someone else's. When we are willing to do that, that's when love happens. Jesus was simply passing through Jericho. He was passing through the first verse as he entered Jericho and was passing through. He was on his way to Jerusalem. But he stops. Because as he was passing through, he could not have passed up the opportunity to be with Zacchaeus. Love starts in our hearts, but it continues through our thoughts. As we are not simply making margin, but that we are starting to live mindfully and attentively to the needs of others. I love the slogan, mission that our outreach team uses when they talk about outreach being a part of our everyday lives. Do you remember this? It's, it's very, very easy to remember. And I think it applies so much, so much here to, to our story on love. Outreach says to start small, make it simple, so that it can be sustainable. Small, simple, sustainable. When we think of love, we might think of big, grand gestures but generally, in the big moments of love, we miss out on the little details and conversations that should be happening. Love should be small, simple, and sustainable each and every day. You see, we need to be willing to be givers, not simply consumers. Finally, 
loving others well becomes natural when we start to live on purpose, when we start to live on mission. Did you notice that maybe it's just become background to you as you leave, but out our two main exits here, sorry, online family, but maybe you have it above your door too. I don't know. As you leave our campus outside of our doors, above the doors there, it says you are now entering your mission field. Loving others well becomes natural when we start to live on purpose, when we start to live on mission. It's when we start to see that our homes are our first places of discipleship. It's, it's when we start to see that our workplaces are built-in outreach centers. It's, it's when we start to see our neighbors through the eyes of Jesus, not through the mini blinds on our windows. It's when we start to see our schools and teams as mission fields. Love starts in our hearts, continues through our thoughts, but comes to show through our actions. We are continuously living in spaces that God wants us to be loved to. It's time that we start to live on purpose. It's time that we start to pour out what God is pouring in. It's time that we start to live for the sake of others. Amen? I'm all worked up. So let's go to John 15, because this is a good place to stop. John 15 is Jesus spending intentional time with the disciples here, spending his energy with the disciples, pouring into them. And he says this in John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment. Not suggestion, not hope. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Yes. This is my commandment. This is not something that's optional for us as Christ followers. We are to be his love to absolutely everybody. Love has no boundaries. Love is not hindered. Love is not reserved for people who are easy to love. Remember? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. You see, the love of Christ in us should be the love of Christ through us. Everywhere we go. And so my prayer for us today, as we wrap up this series is that we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers. Let's stand and let's pray.